Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Katie. And I'm your host, Chris. And this is our podcast. You can find us at cockandcrow.com, where this podcast lives, as well as our blog and our amazing e-course. The e-course is called Reality Rehab, and it's a course for anyone who's ever felt stuck in their relationship, in their crappy job, in their financial situation, basically stuck in anything. Having said all that, welcome to today's podcast. Today we're going to talk about European travel, uh, I guess, or more specifically, how to get to Europe and how to get around once you're there and uh, where to stay and a few other things like that, too. It's a practical uh, guide, a practical guide to planning your trip to Europe. Yes, that. Huh. <laughs> so, um, well, let's see. Let's talk about long term first. Um, to get to Europe, you generally have to kind of start planning a little bit ahead of time, unless you're super loaded and you just want to throw down a first class ticket and uh you know hit hit the air in which case you wouldn't be listening to this fucking podcast (laughs) that's right so um what do we do well first of all we kind of you know one of the things we do is we host a lot of people and that's kind of how we end up figuring out where we want to go in europe and what we want to do um by hosting lots of people we meet lots of people that live in all kinds of great places in europe and we become friends with them and then we have friends in Europe that we can go and stay with. Um, it's a great way to make friends all over the world. So, by by hosting travelers, he means utilizing websites such as Airbnb. dot com or Couchsurfing. dot org. Yes, um, which are websites that connect hosts, people you know that have room on their living room floor or a couch or a guest room or whatever, to travelers. Um, everybody makes a profile and. Travelers then search out hosts in the cities they want to go to, and hosts take a look at the traveler profile and see if the person seems cool and either accepts or declines the request, and it's really super easy. It's a wonderful thing. Um, we, we could talk about that for a really long time. We have you know some blogs about hosting and traveling specifically, and we go in way more depth in our book. Um, but the quickest, or the, I guess the the questions we get the most often are you know the concept of like you host strangers in your home isn't that weird aren't you worried your shit's gonna get stolen and it's like no 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 fuck no yeah that's why we do it like we we host people all the time and we just live in a constant state of fear that the next person walks through the door is going to steal all our shit um most websites that connect travelers and hosts are extremely comprehensive you know anybody that makes a profile has to go through you know a verification process Um, With Airbnb in particular, they have to enter just sort of a default credit card number in the event of damages. Um, Most websites are super, you know, on the host side. So if you have a problem, you can call them and, you know, it's you're not just kind of left on your own. Um, And the, the types of people, the types of travelers that seek out hosts are generally not the type of they're not doing that just so they can like find people in random cities to like rob (laughs) um it's just like not that's just not how it works um so anyway it's kind of an interesting question too because it's like well so what the only people that can host travelers are people that live in like shitty houses with nothing to steal like that you know come on um you can't live in fear like that. No. Basically, just do it because, like I said, we, you know, I had a relatively small group of friends, uh, and then I started hosting people, and now I have friends all over the world, and I just think that's the coolest thing. And they're like legit friends. They're like people that we like correspond with, and keep in touch with, 
and like go and visit and like there's nowhere there's no other kind of system or program that you can do that and so um, it's totally worth it. It's like a very rewarding and enriching activity and I know I've recommended it before but just just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And do it now. Do it do it way in advance, you know, even if you're not, you know, planning a Europe trip for years or whatever, you know, just start doing it now just to get inspired and rack up friends and just, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um kind of an obvious sort of long-term thing to do is to like start signing up for email alerts and like actually look at them and read them. They're not all just, you know, bullshit marketing emails. Um, a couple of the ones I really like are the British Airways one um, and the Aer Lingus one. Um, because that way, if you get regular email alerts and you actually read them, you'll start to learn about travel trends and seasonal pricing. And that way, when you get a great email, you'll be able to spot a great deal um, and, you know, jump on tickets or, or what have you. So that's just a good way to kind of get in the rhythm of, of travel. Um, another thing you can do is just to educate yourself. Um, I mean, it's like everybody that thinks, you know, they want to go to Europe but doesn't know anything about it, they just first assume, well, I want to go to London and I want to go to Rome and I want to go to Paris because that's like the only thing that anybody ever hears over here. But Europe is huge and there's like hundreds of amazing places and amazing cities that are way outside the realm of London and Rome and Paris. So um, just start watching things, start... Like, a couple of my favorite resources are Rick Steves. Um, you can go right to, like, Rick Steves' website. I think it's just, like, ricksteves.com, but I guess I don't know. Um, and he's got videos. Like, you can watch full episodes of his shows going back years. Um, and he profiles, like, every part of Europe all over the place. And that's a great way to learn about maybe cities or countries that you've never even heard of or don't know anything about. Um since I'm kind of a foodie too, I really am into Anthony Bourdain because he travels all over Europe too and his shows are great and they touch on food, but they also touch on local culture and things like that. Um, but since we like to, you know, combine eating and traveling, uh, I think it's a great resource for learning about fun places to eat that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise heard of. Um, and also just a great way to learn about Europe. So, um, I'm sure there's plenty of others out there that have great videos, but those are two of my favorites. Do you have any that you can think of? No, I love Rick Steves. Yeah, I think he's hot as she, hell. She loves Rick Steves. Rick Steves is great, though, because he's just like, he's been around forever. He knows the routine, and his shows are like super easy to absorb, and they're not like long and overly detailed, and you just get kind of a quick, great rundown of like any place that you can possibly think of. Um, there's a few other cool websites like um, Lonely Planet is a good one that has information. Um, Wiki Travel I use a lot. Like I kind of do that more once I have a better idea of where I actually do want to go. And then once I sort of get a list narrowed down, I'll use Wiki Travel to like actually read about what's going on in each city, like more in-depth detail about things I can do and places I can visit and things like that. But um, they're, they're both really great resources, too, for, for learning the kind of the ins and outs of the city and uh, things like transportation, you know, and how to get around and details about those systems and things like that. So um, also great resources to kind of give you a good, well-rounded um, knowledge base of what you're sort of getting yourself into wherever it is that you want to end up. So, um, yeah. So then there's some short-term steps you can take once your trip is actually planned and, you know, you have some dates and everything, is if you're paying rent or you've 
got a mortgage, which, you know, probably 98% of people do, you might consider subletting your house while you're gone, um, especially if you're going to be gone more than a month. Um, it just makes it so that it eliminates a step of savings. So now it's not like, oh, shit, I mean, we have to save two months in advance, you know, rent. Um, you could have your rent paid for by a subletter. Um, it could be, you know, as simple as a friend that wants to stay at your place and cover your bills, or you could put a shout-out on Facebook or put a Craigslist ad in the sublet section. Um, we've kind of done all of those things. And uh, we've also been lucky enough to have a couple of times have roommates, and so our roommates took care of things and we subletted our individual bedroom. Um, so there's all kinds of different things you can do to sort of minimize your your overhead for travel. Um, another thing we usually do is, tr again, if you know you're going to be gone more than a month, is to turn off your bills. You know, to put your utilities on hold, to put your gym membership on hold, just kind of anything. Your car insurance company, we usually fib and say yes, yes, it's going to be in a garage, um, which it's not, but you know. <laughs> Um, but they'll, you know, put your car insurance on hold for a month and all that, all that kind of stuff. So anything you can think of like that, um, just again, to save yourself that sort of travel overhead. Um, and packing light is probably the next thing. Every trip that we've taken, we pack lighter and lighter and lighter. So the first trip we took fucking like duffel bag steamer backpacks I mean ridiculous like packs and we were going over there for like two weeks it was stupid it was the biggest pain in the ass you're literally and metaphorically weighted down by your stuff like why are you carrying all that around with you um and so the next time we went we just took two little rolling suitcases that fit in the overhead bins so that was better and then the next time we went, we each took literally just one small backpack, like a little school book bag size backpack. Um, we each had one of those, and we each had like a, a super small little shoulder, you know, purse thing. Um, and that was it. So that's kind of our jam now is we each take a backpack, we each take a little shoulder bag, and, and that's it. Because um, you really just need a week's worth of clothes, no matter how long you're going for, because you're going to do laundry, obviously. Um, kind of think about it like this um, a rolling suitcase is terrible because Europe is really old and most of the streets are either cobblestone or even if they're just paved regular they're still just a mess usually and it's just a huge hassle to drag that stuff around half the time the wheels are going to break off and plus you look like such an obvious tourist I mean it's like so bad um and then with backpacks, they're great, but again, you don't want them too heavy because you're going to have to be carrying it on your back. And so even walking around with just a regular day pack full of stuff, you know, is pretty heavy and it wears you down. And I mean, think about it if you're like hopping from trains to buses and things like that on actual like travel days, um, the, the least amount of stuff you have to manage and the least amount of stuff you have to carry around, the better off that whole experience will be. And it'll just make everything exponentially better you know from that so um it might sound crazy people are like what you went over there with just that and and it's not it's not crazy at all like it's actually crazy to go over there with a huge suitcase full of stuff and most of those people realize it and you know and learn the hard way and uh just don't do it i mean you don't need it you don't need any of that stuff no and um it's funny just how much you don't give a shit you know bring 
two pairs of shoes, you are not going to care. Bring one pair of earrings, you're not going to give a shit. Like, you're you're just in a completely different mindset over there, and little stuff like that doesn't matter. Um, and it's, a, it's modern. Anything that you forget or wish you would have packed, you can get over there. Um, it's not... It's not mm-hmm. like you're going on, you know, in the depths of the jungle and aren't going to have access to modern conveniences. Um, so kind of the next thing is is the actual steps to take when you're planning your trip. Um, and the most practical way to do that that's surfaced for us is to pick our dates based on airfare prices because they fluctuate so much from just from day to day you know monday it'll be x amount but tuesday it's you know four hundred dollars more um kind of thing so if we have a general idea you know like oh we want to leave sometime in june you know we'll click day through we'll click through every single day in june and see what's the cheapest departure date and do the same thing with our kind of general return date and pick pick our our date solely based on the cheapest days to fly um, because your airfare is going to be probably your biggest expense. And the websites, the airline websites will have like a full calendar actually that you can just pull up yeah. and see what day of yeah. the month is the cheapest. Um, and generally the the airlines that we've, we typically fly Aer Lingus, which their hub is in Dublin. So even if we're not going to Dublin, you know, our ticket is from you know, the States to Dublin. And then from the Dublin airport, we just hop on a cheap local European airline to whatever city we're actually going to. Um, and that literally has saved us, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, plus Dublin's cool. Plus Dublin is cool. Um, (laughs) another great airline is Norwegian air and their hub is Oslo. So again, just, you know, buy a ticket to Oslo and then buy, you know, a $20 flight to London if that's where you're ultimately going um, because it's worth the the insane savings. Um, so once you've got your airline ticket and you've got your actual solid dates that you're going, um, then you can start to reserve the places that you're staying. And we, we typically use Airbnb. Um, Couchsurfing is great, but it's proven not to be super easy in large cities. Um, because as you can imagine, with couchsurfing being free, the couchsurfing hosts in London, in Rome, in Paris, in Budapest, and sort of the major obvious cities um, get, you know, 20 requests a day. And so to, to hear back from a host in a big city doesn't usually happen. Um, not to say you can't, you know, give it a shot, but we typically use Airbnb. With Airbnb, you pay a small fee, typically. You make an actual reservation. Um, there's just it's a lot easier to plan and it's a lot more solid of a plan. Um, so once you've got your places to stay, whether you're doing Airbnb, couch surfing, a hostel, staying in a hotel, doing a work trade, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, kind of get your places to stay solid. And um, then you can start reserving any little transportation, you know, buses or trains from city to city or cheap flights from country to country you know you can start taking care of all those little things um we'll talk about i guess transportation in the same city you know if you're going to be in london for a week or dublin for a week or what have you most major cities have some kind of travel card that makes it a whole lot cheaper london is a great example they have the oyster card 
um, which is free to get, and you just load it with with money, you know, 20 bucks or whatever, and you swipe it when you go in the terminal, you swipe it when you come out, it automatically, you know, charges you and deducts whatever, but it also automatically is half off of the single fare amount. So if you didn't have an Oyster card and you were just buying your one-way ticket, you know, from this part of the city to this part of the city, if you had an Oyster card, it would automatically be half off. So that's kind of reason enough to get it. Um, plus London and most major cities, they don't have a flat rate. It's not like $2 to ride the bus. You know, it's the price is based on what part of the city you're traveling from and what part you're going to. And calculating that when you're unfamiliar with the city is super frustrating yeah and next to impossible so if you get a travel card something like the oyster card whatever your city has um and the calculations are automatic that that will save you a lot of time and trouble i think one thing i want to point out real quick is that um we actually try to buy a lot as much of our transportation costs before we even leave like if we know we're going to be going from one city to another within the same country, we'll buy the train ticket while we're still at home before we've even gone on our trip. And you can order it online. You can get, you know, a digital printout or whatever. Um, And it saves you money by buying in advance. And it also allows you to have, to pay for your trip kind of more over time that way, as opposed to like saving a bunch of money and then wait until you get there and just trying to figure out how it's all going to work. You can kind of slowly over the course of however many months as you're preparing for your trip, start buying all of your transportation stuff ahead of time. Um, That way when like you go the day to leave for your trip and you've got a chunk of money, you know exactly how much money you'll have to spend throughout the duration of your trip. But you know, 80% of your transportation costs will already have been paid for by that point, um, which makes calculating the rest of it much easier. Right. Um, so we talked about within the same city, then within the same country. So say you're going, you know, from London to Manchester, um, generally you're going to take a train or a bus. Um, buses are generally cheaper, but they're generally a, a shittier experience. And so sometimes it's worth, you know, paying the whatever, 10 bucks extra to ride the train because trains in general... 90% of the time are on time, super efficient, super clean, comfortable seats, nice bathrooms, you know, just an overall, um, a lot roomier, obviously, all that kind of stuff. And generally buses are super cheap, but they're stuffy, you're elbow to elbow, you can't get up and walk around, the bathrooms are nasty. Um, So it just... You know, it kind of depends on where you're at and what what you're willing to deal with. I I do agree, but I do want to say that there are occasionally exceptions to both of those. We've been on some really nice buses and some really shitty trains here and there, too. So it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, And then country to country. So, you know, England to Spain or whatever. um, Actually, it's usually cheaper to fly. The trains are not, you know, get over the Eurorail pass. That's not a thing anymore. That's that's not a cheap way to do it um, if you're going. Train travel is expensive if you're crossing country lines. Um, and so generally one of the cheaper, you know, budget European airlines like Ryanair or EasyJet, um, literally you can, you know, fly from... I mean, where did we fly? Dublin to, Dublin to London for $12. I mean, it's just yeah. the way that they're they're regulated and do their deal over there is much different um than here um 
so once you've got those are kind of the three basic steps you know get get your airfare squared away get your all the transportation you can buy in advance and get your places to stay um, and then once you're over there kind of what we do do you want to talk a little bit about how we do our food and just kind of healthy um yeah so like <laughs> i get we try to live like a pretty healthy lifestyle even when we're traveling and that's not always the easiest thing to do but um some of the things we've figured out along the way is even if you may have enough money to eat out at restaurants for every meal every day the entire time you're there you're going to probably regret doing that because you're going to start to feel like crap after about a week of eating just garbage food that you don't know what's in it or how it was prepared or anything like that. Um, and we've kind of learned that the hard way. And so we end up actually, anytime that we can, um, anytime that we have access to a kitchen or whatever, we try to actually go to the store and buy healthy food and cook it at home. Um, and it's still kind of cool to do it that way because you end up... Um, encountering ingredients you know in foreign cities that maybe you don't otherwise usually work with and so it's kind of novel still and you can still have kind of a fun time experiencing foreign food and you know foreign local culture without um, actually eating at restaurants um, like I remember <laughs> one of the things that stood out to me is like the grocery stores in Budapest they sell like rabbit you know like in the meat section which is so weird because you would never see anything like that over here but over there it was just like everybody was buying rabbit for dinner and it was just so funny um, but anyway, so we like to cook at home. Sometimes we'll do a, a thing where we'll maybe go out for coffee in the morning. Um, or have... we'll do like the European breakfast, like go out for coffee and a croissant. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we'll go home and make lunch and then, um, maybe later we'll go out and we'll have like an hors d'oeuvre or a cocktail or something like that. Um, and then cook dinner at home. Um, that way you're still kind of getting out and about and experiencing, um, you know, the local restaurants, but you're not necessarily blowing your wad um on all the food or you know ingesting unhealthy crap every day of the week either so right. I, I mean we do make exceptions sure we go out to dinner and we may you know we find we you look on TripAdvisor and you know look up all like the, the best restaurants in town um not necessarily the most expensive either but just like which the the most popular places that people like to go and we'll go and we'll eat there but that way we know we're making smart decisions by going to places that um are already you know have great reputations and um, are rated highly. And that way we were kind of more insured a, a good experience for our money. Um, and we've done that a lot and, and really enjoyed it. So um, you kind of just pick and choose where you want to go, but otherwise, um, you know, cook at home as much as you can um, because it's totally worth it. And it's still really cool. Um, well said. Yeah. Well said. Um, I guess the last thing we'll kind of touch on is, is free entertainment. You know, it doesn't, I, I think lots of people think of going to Europe as being really expensive, um, cause you're buying, you know, theater tickets or concert tickets or museum entrance fees or, or what have you. And that's, that's all certainly a thing, but it's really easy to be entertained on the cheap. Um, Europe has, all European cities have just ridiculous parks um that are unlike anything we've ever seen there's parks there's always free days to get into the museums most of the museums over there are free to begin with 
um, which is kind of a nice thing. What else? There's always, I mean, literally. There's like musical performances. Um, like literally just Google free stuff to do wh- wherever you're going, you know, and you'll come up with Shakespeare in the Park and Summer Concert Series and, yeah. you know, the Botanical Gardens is free this day or whatever, you know, just. I mean, in that sense, it's really just like America. People think like, oh, Europe's so expensive. And even with the exchange rate, yeah, it is kind of expensive. But just like America, there's tons of free stuff to do over there just like there is here like you can do anything on any budget over there the exact same way you would do it here Um, there's always free stuff going on in any city there's always lots of cool stuff to do so don't think you're going to go over there and have to spend you know four hundred dollars a day just to like have a good time because that's ridiculous um so that kind of that's kind of the meat of it we'll obviously have our little sales pitch which is buy our fucking book it's (laughs) what is it even called how to the quick and dirty guide to cheap european travel yes um where we go into everything we just talked about way more in depth um and cover lots of stuff in the book that we didn't have time to talk about in this podcast like jet lag or atms credit cards cash how to manage your money over there the language barrier the local customs restaurant protocol safety all kinds of stuff like that um internet access right so it's it's five ninety nine, like four ninety nine. Four ninety nine? Yeah. Fuck, it's five bucks. Like <laughs> just buy it. It's totally funny and, and <laughs> super helpful and full of resources. Um and also we'll you'll see all the resources listed with this podcast, like Rick Steve's websites and the airline websites and we'll link link you to all that so you can As well re- as the book, read obviously. More. Obviously. <laughs> that's that's it, man. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening and, um, share this with everyone, you know, yes, make us filthy rich. Yeah. Filthy rich. Filthy rich. All right. Thanks everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye.